Hey, I want to talk to you this morning for just a few minutes um, about the S word. That's what I call it this morning. I, I told people it was, you know, I was talking about the S word this morning, and I got all kind of, you know, things like, what? You're talking about what? I want to talk to you this morning about sin. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we want to talk just now. When I said that, I can see it on your faces. There's like two or three different reactions that people have when you say you're going to talk about sin in church. There's the, those like me that grew up in church and, and you know, maybe you, you came from an, a, a hard line, old line. And it's like, it's about time we talk about sin because we need to get serious and get hard on sin again. Um, maybe you came from, you know, may, maybe, you know, you haven't been in church long or you came from, you know, not so much a mainstream and you came and it's like, we don't need to talk about sin. We need to talk about God's love because God is love and you can catch more flies with honey than you can with vinegar. And we want to talk about God's love. So, you know, let's tone down the sin thing. And then there's those of you that are like, football starts in a few minutes, fat guy. Hurry this up. We need to get out of here. So one of those three reactions is kind of what people do when we say we want to talk about sin. Well, well, this morning, you know, I, I was talking with Pastor Rick a, few, uh, a couple of weeks ago, right before we went on vacation, and, and um, I told him, I said, I'm kind of thinking about doing this, and, and we talked about it, and uh, I said, I, I want to find, though, a less churchy-sounding word than sin. You know, I want to do, but you know, as I, as I read about it and kind of prayed about it and thought about it, I couldn't think of a better word that kind of gave us that reaction of that when I say we're going to talk about sin this morning does. Um, some of you, you know, it, it, it just means different things. If I were to ask you this morning, what does sin mean? And we went around the room and, and, and we took those, you might give me uh, a list of things that sin is. You might start listing sins. It's kind of like growing up in church. I, I've, you know, I'm, I'm pretty young. I'm in my forties, but I grew up in church. I've been, been in church my whole life. And some of my mentors have, uh, you know, they've been in there a lot longer than I have. And, and, you know, in the old days, there were times when you asked people, what do you, what does your church believe in? And they would say, well, we don't believe in go into the movies, or we don't believe in this, or we don't believe in that. And, and they would list these things, you know, that they don't believe in. And so maybe this morning, you know, when we talk about sin, you would list things that, well, you know, sin is this or this, or, or maybe you would say, you know, you, you would try to try to describe what sin is. So here's the deal, you know, for we all have it. I looked it up this week, and the definition is sin is a violation of divine or supernatural law, disobedience or anything that's displeasing to God. Now, that's still a pretty broad thing. You know, anything that's displeasing to God, you and I may have different ideas what's displeasing to God. I think if you say roll tide in church, it's displeasing to God. Uh, You may not. You may feel if you say those other beautiful words, you know, that that that's displeasing. Whatever it is, we have different ideas of of what sin is. Maybe this morning, you know, you hear me talk about that and you're thinking, I don't have sin in my life. I guarantee a little after 2.30 yesterday afternoon, some of you guys sinned on those first two drives that Texas A&M had. And those of you that pull for the team I do, we were sinning until about 9 o'clock or so last night when Nick Marshall finally got it together at the end of the game. You know, and, and so those kind of things happen. And, and, and you know, maybe you were throwing stuff or, or saying stuff, you know, but there, sin exists in what we do. Sin is anything that's displeasing to God. Um, there's a cool verse, James chapter 4, verse 17, that sums it up. Uh, if you're like me and you grew up and you memorized this kind of stuff in King James, you probably heard, for him that knoweth to do right and doeth it not, to him that thing is sin. The Message Bible puts it really cool. If you don't do what you know is right, you've sinned. End of discussion. If you don't do what you know to do is right, you've sinned. Um, if I don't take out the trash, I know that I need to take the trash out. Uh, there, are, there are health reasons. Um, my wife will hurt me if I don't. There are, you know, <laughs> there are health reasons. There are sanitary reasons. There are reasons to take out the trash. If I know that I'm supposed to do that and I don't do it, then it's a sin to me. Now, if I ask you, is not taking out the trash a sin? 
My wife may say yes, but some of you guys may say, no, that's not a sin. There are other things. But, you know, sin is anything. If you don't do what you know to do is right, then you're sinned. Sin is this thing, and, and so we, we develop an attitude about what sin is. You know, we create a caste system of sins, if you will, you know, where we come in and there are different levels of sin. Uh, you know, maybe, you know, you can, you can get away with three of these or one of these, none of these. You know, we have this list of sins that, that you know, we, we kind of put these things. We deal with things and, and we put it in sin as a topic we don't like to deal with because we don't know what to do with it. We have no idea what to do with sin, so we try to do the best we can. Uh, I'm an electrician by trade. I grew up doing electrical work. Um, now, I went to school to try to get away from it. I did, you know, studied music in school. Uh, I've been in ministry, but you, know, you can't seem to get away from that kind of stuff you grew up doing. And so by trade, I'm an electrician. I'm not a mechanic. I don't want to fix my car because I don't know what to do with it, okay? I know where the gas goes. I know where the oil goes. I know how the tires go on. That's about the, that's about the sum of it. I know Tim Thrasher's phone number. That's about it. Um, you know, if I need something done, I'm going to give him a call because he knows what to do with it. You want electrical work done? I can help you out. You want somebody to fix your car? Don't call me. That's the way we are with sin. We don't know what to deal with it, and so we try our best to try to fix it. And what do we do with it? The first thing we do, we conceal it. We try to hide those things that we have in our life that we don't want other people to know about. We don't, we're, we're afraid what somebody might think. We try to hide it. We do our best to hide it. It's not just us. It's in our DNA. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, Adam and Eve, of course, you know, they've sinned, um, you know, and, and so they decide to hide. Late in the afternoon, a breeze began to blow. The man and woman heard the Lord God walking in the garden. They were frightened, so they hid behind some trees. They tried to hide it. Most of you guys know the story. Adam and Eve are in the garden. There's two trees in the middle. God says, you can have anything you want except these two trees, the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. Don't touch those two trees. The serpent comes along and tempts Eve. Uh, Eve eats the fruit. And she gives some to Adam. Guys, don't judge Eve too harshly. Adam was right there beside her and kept his mouth shut. Uh, and then he, but he ate some of it too. Sin came into the world. All of a sudden, they looked at each other and went, holy smokes, we're naked. We've got to do something about this. So they try to hide. They, they, they try to uh, get fig leaves or make some clothes together. They go hide in the woods. It's kind of like when you get that phone call and a relative calls and says, hey, we're stopping in town. We'll be by there in about 30 minutes. We want to stop by and see you guys. At my house, that phone call concludes and this mad dash to put stuff in closets and vacuum and clean the bathroom and that kind of thing happens because company is coming over. You guys don't do that at your house? Okay. This is that sin thing. You guys are lying to me here. You're not. This is what happened with Adam and Eve. All of a sudden, it's like, holy smokes, we're naked. We got to do something. God's coming over. We've got to hide. And so you end up hiding. And God, you know, God's pretty cool. God comes walking and God, God knew what was going on. It's kind of like, you know, with your kids, a lot of times you know what's going on, but you know, you don't want to reveal your whole hand at the first time. So God comes in and he says, hey guys, uh, where are you at? And they're hiding. Shh, maybe he won't see us. <laughs> playing hide and seek with God, you know, it's like playing tag with a flash or something, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's not very good. Flash is really fast, you know, you can, okay. Anyway. God is really cool, and so he comes looking for them, and they're trying to hide. And they said, you know, we're hiding because we're naked. And he said, how do you know you're naked? Well, because, you know, we ate the tree, and so now we know. And so, but, but God dealt with that. They tried to hide it. They tried to conceal it, and that's what we do. We try to hide it. We sin. We try to do that. When I was a teenager, uh, my brother and I were, were at home by ourselves. I was probably 13 or so, uh, 14. My brother was probably about 9 or 10. And so we, um, uh, we were, it was my job as the older brother 
to torture my younger brother. It was um, my birthright. And so, you know, we were, we were playing football in the hallway. This, you know, we had this long hallway at the house we grew up in. And so I was throwing the football to him, and I would throw it as close as I could to the wall so he would hit the wall when he caught the football. Um, it's, it's a big brother thing. If, you don't, uh, if you're a big brother, you know what I'm talking about. If you're a little brother, you're not going to listen to anything else I say because you hate my guts now. But um, so, you know, we would do that. And, and the problem is... I got too close one time, and I hit the thermostat that was on the wall. <laughs> now, if you've ever hit a thermostat with a football, it's not a pretty sight. The thing shatters into, you know, a thousand pieces, and it's laying there. As soon as it happened, no longer were my brother and I mortal enemies. We were now on the same team. We had a common enemy, and that was this thermostat, and we had to get it taken care of. So my brother goes, and he starts cleaning the kitchen and doing stuff so things look, and I start piecing together the thermostat. Um, in the few hours that it took us to do this before my parents got home, we failed to, we didn't notice the fact that the temperature had steadily climbed about 30 degrees in the house because the thermostat's not working. So, uh, you know, we're working frantically. My dad comes in and he, you know, he's kind of hot in here. And he walks over and he touches the thermostat and it falls apart. I said, what did you do? <laughs> I tried to hide it. I tried to do it because I didn't want to take the blame for it. I tried to hide that sin. And, and that's what we do with our sin. We try to hide it. We get up on Sunday morning and uh, maybe we fight with our spouse. Maybe we fight with our kids. Maybe there's something. We kick the dog, whatever. We break the speed limit because we're running late. They started this three service thing and you got to be here. And now they changed the time and we got to come to a different time. And now we got to deal with traffic. I come to third service and I'm dealing with traffic because the Baptist church is getting out. And so I'm coming up here and trying to get here, you know, and we get frustrated with these things. And then we come into church, we pull up in the parking lot and we put on our mask. We walk in. <laughs> Good to meet you, brother. Good to see you this morning. Praise God. I'm excited about the Spirit of the Lord this morning. We were cussing the dog 10 minutes ago. You know, we were, we, we, were, we were breaking the speed limit. We were doing things just a few minutes ago, but we come in and put the mask on because we want to hide it. We don't want people to know. We conceal it and we compare it. If we can't hide it, we're going to make sure we find somebody else whose sin is worse than ours so we can stand next to them and say, hey, see, I'm better than this guy. Didn't do this. You know, and, and that's what we do with sin. And in the church especially, we, we point at sin and we find sins and we drag attention to this sin over here because we don't want people to look at this sin that we're hiding here. We, wanna, we, we, we want other people, we compare it so you know, we, we can do that. The problem with this is, is in the Scripture, Romans 3.23, in the King James, you've probably heard this, uh, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Message Bible words it like this. There is no difference between us and them in this. Since we've, come, since we've compiled this long and sorry record as sinners, both us and them, and proved that we are utterly incapable of living the glorious lives of God's will for us. We try to do it and we try to put the blame, but we're all sinners. The Bible says we've sinned. I know that all of us have sinned. We've all done this. There's another verse. James 2. James is a really cool chapter. If you guys, you know, if, if you have some time, you're looking for something to read, James is a really cool chapter. James chapter 2 says, you can't pick and choose in these things, specializing in keeping one or two in God's law and ignoring the others. The same God that says don't commit adultery also said don't murder. If you don't commit adultery, but go ahead and murder, do you think your non-adultery will cancel out your murder? No, you're a murderer, period. End discussion. God has laws. God has rules. God has things to do. And, and sometimes we'll violate one, but we, you know, we, well, I didn't break that law. Well, it don't matter. You're still a lawbreaker. 
Um, if, you, if you get a ticket for going five miles an hour over the speed limit, let me save you some time. If you go try to fight it in court and you tell the, you tell the judge, I'm only doing, I only did five miles over the speed limit, he's going to say, you still broke the law. Trust me. He's going to tell you, you still broke the law. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you went one or you went five, you broke the law. And, and, and that's what God is telling us. You know, my kids, if you were to ask them what my favorite verse is, they'd mistakenly probably tell you it's be sure your sins will find you out because they've heard it their whole life. I tell them all the time, be sure your sins are going to find you out. I'm going to find out. Uh, when we were, we, we were in ministry in, in, in Florida at a church and um, we lived in this neighborhood and, and seriously, about a third of the neighborhood went to our church. I mean, there was a bunch of people in this neighborhood that, that went to this large church we were at. And... Um, uh, my, my son, Mylon, was going go to go to his friend's house that lived a couple blocks away. And uh, I knew that his friend, Jared, had just gotten a go-kart. And I told him, don't ride the go-kart because, you know, we need, if we're going to do it, we need to take you guys to a parking lot or somewhere where you'll be safe. I don't want you riding around the neighborhood. We won't. The go-kart's not even working right now. Okay. So he goes, comes home, everything's fine. This was a Saturday. The next day at church, my friend Mike comes up to me and he says, listen, this may not be any of my business, but um, I'm just worried about it. Mylon and Jared were like racing around the neighborhood on that go-kart, and they need to be careful because they're, really? Okay. So I get in the car, and I'm like, so, Mylon, did you ride a go-kart yesterday? No, sir. <laughs> really? Because this is what I just heard. And, uh, you know, and it's that kind of thing. Be sure your sins will find you out. And, you know, but, but God is telling us that there are things that are going on. I know that you've sinned. You know that you've sinned. But we try to hide it. We try to compare it to other people. And what ends up happening is we carry it. It begins to weigh on us. When we tell lies to somebody, whether it's our spouse or our boss or somebody, if we call our boss and tell him, hey, hey uh, <coughs> I'm sick today. But we really have tickets to the Braves playoff game. <laughs> you know, It's going to be your luck. Be sure your sins will find you out. You're going to wind up on TV. You know, that's just, that's, that's the way it works out. You know, uh, something's going to happen. Um, you know, now your phones, you know, if you got a company phone, they can track those things now. Somebody, be sure your sins will find you out. We try to hide it. We try to compare it, but we end up carrying it because we, we tell these things, we do things, and we walk around because then we're afraid somebody's going to find out. We do things that we think, you know, maybe, maybe we do it when we're on vacation out of town or something, and we get back and we're worried that then you hear somebody, hey, I was in, I, I was in Gatlinburg a couple of weeks ago. Uh-oh. I, I hope they didn't see us. And, you know, I had wine with dinner one night or something. I hope they didn't. You know, whatever it is, we do something, and then we're afraid somebody else is going to find out, and we walk, and it begins to weigh on us. Because, you see, we've hidden it. We've pushed it aside and we've pushed it down. We've, we've, we've tried to throw off you know, the sin off our track by pointing sins at other people. And we walk around, but we end up carrying this thing. And it begins to, it begins to weigh on us. It begins to, to be a burden with us. There's a scripture, John 8, 34, says, Jesus replied, I'll tell you for certain, anyone who sins is a slave of sin. And slaves don't stay in the family forever, but the son will always remain in the family. You see... We become a slave to these things. Now, I, I need to tell you this morning, I'm not dealing, I, I'm not talking with you necessarily about, about sin as in if we don't, you know, confess our sins, then, you know, we're going to go to hell because we don't. I'm talking about being in a relationship with God. I'm talking about those of us that are in the church, those of us that are in community here, 
we have sin and things that we don't deal with because we're afraid what other people will think. And we're afraid of what will happen if somebody else finds out. And we wind up carrying it. And we wonder why Christians that we know are miserable. We wonder why people, they talk to you, where do you go? Yeah, I got a weird 29-11 thing over there. I don't, you know, we, we, because we deal with this stuff. People at work, they see us and, and, and because, you know, they're, they're with us a lot during the week. And so we're afraid that, you know, they're going to find out and, and, you know, we did something and they're going to, and we end up carrying this thing. And it begins to weigh us down. It robs our joy. It steals our happiness. And it takes away our ability to live an abundant life, to go fishing and make a difference in our community. But right now you guys are thinking, I'd be glad when Rick gets back. You're a downer, dude. I have good news. <laughs> the good news is God knows exactly what to do with sin. God knows how to handle sin. God is that mechanic that I don't know how to fix my car. God is the guy who knows how to take care of this. God is the one that knows what to do with it. The first thing that God does, he reveals it. We try to conceal it and hide it. But you see, sin is this disease. Sin is this thing like, like black mold or something that, that grows in the deep, the dark places inside walls or in basements or underneath places that are dark, that are damp. Things that the sunlight never hits and oxygen is not able to get to very well. But you see, people that deal with this, they know that what's the first thing they do? They uncover it. They let sunlight get to it. They go in there and expose it to oxygen. They go in and expose it because they know that those things can retard the growth of that. God understands that by revealing that, by revealing the sin that we have, He can go in and expose it and let His light get to it. He can go in and point that thing out so that it can be dealt with. In construction, if you go into, do we have any sheetrock guys or painters or anything, anybody done that kind of work? You know that it, when, when they do that, they like light when they're finishing it. They need a lot of light because the light reveals the imperfections when they're finishing it. If they don't, if it's real shadowy in the room and they're finishing sheetrock or they're doing it, when you go in there and shine lights, you can see cracks and you can see things where you can see things where it's not finished correctly because they didn't have the light. That's the way that our hearts and our lives become because they're hidden from the light and they're in the dark, but the light can go in and show and reveal the imperfections. And that's what God does. Now, God doesn't do it just to be mean. God doesn't do it so we can point a finger and say, you're a sinner, neener, neener, neener. God knows that there's a reason for it. Matthew 10, 26 and 28, don't be afraid of anybody. Everything that is hidden will be found out. Every secret will be known. Whatever I say to you in the dark, you must tell in the light. You must announce from the housetops whatever I've whispered to you. Don't be afraid of people. They can kill you, but they can't harm your soul. Instead, you should fear God who can destroy both your body and your soul in hell. You see, God understands, just like my sons do when they hear that verse, be sure your sins will find you out. God knows that people are going to find out eventually anyway. People are stupid. We do things and we, and we, and we tell people and people are going to find, you're not stupid, but people are stupid. So, you know, and we find out, we do things and people find out. They're going to find out anyway. Let me tell you how many scandals and things come out because, and, and you see it and you're like, did that idiot not know that somebody's going to find out? Did they not realize that, you know, people that do things and, and they find out. We have this thing called the internet today. And so, you know, people find out instantly all over the world. These things get out. God knows people are going to find out. Everything that's hidden is going to be found out. So God reveals it, not so that he can point to us, but so that he can say, let's take care of this before it catches up to you. If we take care of this now, 
If Mylon had told me when he got home that day, I said, did you ride a go-kart? He got it fixed. We ended up going out riding it. We could have dealt with it and it wouldn't have been so bad. When I found out later, the consequences are worse because more time has passed and there's more things. And then I'm told that, hey, this is a dangerous situation. You guys that are parents, you know what I'm talking about. That's the way that God is. God says the longer that you wait and the longer that you hide this stuff and you allow that black mold of sin to grow and to fester and to do it, it can destroy the foundation of your house so that it becomes unlivable. But the sooner that it's revealed and taken care of, the sooner that you can be free from it. God reveals it. The next thing He does is He removes it. Now, I started to use, I started to say he forgives it, that God forgives sin. But that doesn't really begin to scratch the surface of what God does. He doesn't just forgive it. If your neighbor borrows your lawnmower and they break it, and they come to you and they say, hey, I'm sorry, I didn't, you know, I didn't check the oil and I messed it up. I broke your lawnmower. I'll pay for it. I'm sorry. We're going to tell them because it's a neighborly thing to do. We're most likely going to say, I forgive you. It's, it's all right, I forgive you. But the next time that neighbor asks to borrow your lawnmower, you're going to remember the fact that this guy forgot to put oil in it and I'm not letting you touch my lawnmower. See, God's not like that. God doesn't just forgive us. God removes it. God, He expunges our record so that it's clean. We don't just have a record that we've done our time. We have a record that's been made free and expunged, and it's no longer any record of it. God removes it from our lives. He takes that thing that was a weakness, and he can make it a strength. There's a verse that says, in our, t- in, in our time, something new has been added. Now, the, I read Romans 3.23 a minute ago, that for all of sin that comes short of the glory of God. This sets it up. In our time, something new has been added. What Moses and the prophets witnessed to all those years has happened. The God setting things right that we read about has become the Jesus setting things right for us. Not only for us, but for everyone who believes in him. For there's no difference between us and them in this. Since we've compiled this long and sorry record of sinners, both us and them, and proved that we are utterly incapable of living the glorious lives that God wills for us, God did it for us. Out of sheer generosity, he put us in right standing with himself, a pure gift. You see, God doesn't just forgive you. If your neighbor breaks your lawnmower, you forgive him. God doesn't just forgive us for breaking the lawnmower. God says, you know what? I fixed it. You can have it. I've taken this lawnmower. I went and had it completely reworked. It's like new. It's yours. Take it. I want you to have it. That's what God does for us. He doesn't just just forgive us. If someone, were to, if someone were to murder one of your children and you sought them out because you wanted them to pay, that's revenge. There are a lot of people that wouldn't, they wouldn't hold it against you. If you sought them out and you wanted them to go to prison because they needed to serve, that's justice. But if you found that person and you adopted them and made them your son... That's grace. That's what God did for us. We who in our sin put His Son on the cross and murdered Him are now made His children through Christ Jesus. That's what God does with sin. We try to fix it and hide it. God says, let me take care of that for you. And He takes it and He removes it and He gets rid of it. 
I have a friend who called me. He was selling his house, and he said, I got a home inspector coming to look at it. I need to take care of a few things. So I got over there. He had taken, he bought a big screen TV, and he hung it over the fireplace, like a lot of people do. It's an old house, so of course there's no outlet above the fireplace in this old house. So in his non-electrician way to fix it, he took an extension cord, and he fished it down. He got in the attic, and he fished it down the wall, and he pulled it out the wall, and he plugged his TV into it. The extension cord wasn't quite long enough, so they then taped the cords together so we could fish it back up in the wall. <laughs> and he pulled the extension cord over the attic across his laundry room, which was right behind the living room there, and he dropped it down the wall, but there was no outlet right here in, in where this was. So he went through that wall and plugged it in behind the washing machine on the other side of this wall. <laughs> As an electrician, I went in and I didn't say, ah, they won't see it. <laughs> I took it out. I went in and I said, let's fix this. And we ran, we did what we were supposed to do. We took it out. God sees the things that we did that looks as silly as an extension cord run through walls and over ceilings and things. And God says, that won't work. Let me fix it for you. And God can take care of it. He reveals it. He removes it. And then he repurposes it. He restores who we are so that he can use those things that are a weakness and make it a strength. When people come to you, let, let me read the verse, the, the next verse I read through 323. 324 says, He got us out of the mess we're in and restored us to where He always wanted us to be. And He did it through Christ Jesus, by the means of Christ Jesus. He took us out of the mess we're in and He restored us. You see, here's the really cool thing. God can take that thing that we're so ashamed of and that thing that we don't want anyone to find out about because if they do, they'll think less of us. And He says... I can make that your bait so you can go fish to the community. That addiction that controls you, I can make that a testimony so you can say, I used to be bound by this, but I'm not anymore. And let me tell you why. When someone, when you see somebody that struggles with something, you say, man, I was exactly where you are and I struggled with that thing. But let me tell you, I tried to fix it for 20 years. Let me tell you what happened when God fixed it. God can take it and repurpose that thing. Those things that, you know, and again, I'm not talking about, I, I'm not just talking about sin that, you know, we just need to come and accept Jesus. I'm talking about those things that in our day-to-day -day lives begin to eat at us. Those things where our jobs begin to be, become a larger priority than our families. Those situations, there's a saying that I heard years ago that said, we in America, we, we play at our worship, we worship our work, and we work at our play. And that's what, that's the thing it is, is that, that we're, our priorities begin to get out of order. Sometimes maybe it's something, statistics tell us that uh, out of 10 people in every church service across America in the United States, six of them, at least six of them, have been on the internet searching pornography at some point during the week. Pastors, four out of 10 pastors are one of those. These are things that are going on every day and that need to be dealt with. And we try to hide it because we don't want anybody to know because they might find out. And we, 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 we keep these things because if they find out, they'll think bad about us. We, we don't know what to do because if they, see, if they see that I actually have a temper and I get upset when my football team doesn't do it, or I get upset when something happens, when things don't go my way, I don't always react the right way. Sometimes... You know, I, I, I have an angry reaction when somebody pulls over in front of me on the interstate or does, you know, these are things that, you know, we try to hide it. But God says, let me reveal it. Let me help you. God said, if you'll bring it to me, 
all these little things. Paul says that you know we set aside the sin that so easily besets us so we can run the race before us. Those little things that weigh us down so that we can get out and run. I grew up in Royal Rangers. Uh, we got a Royal Ranger program here really good on Wednesday nights. If you've got a, uh, a, if, if you've got a young boy, see uh, Bark is back in the, in the sound booth. He'll be glad to talk to you about it afterwards. Um, and I grew up doing Royal Rangers, and we used to go backpacking and things. Now, let me tell you, here's the thing about backpacking. We'd be out, we'd go out in the woods, and sometimes we may be gone for two or three days at a time when I was doing it. And um, you take everything that you're going to have, you're going to need in a backpack. The first time you go, your backpack weighs about 1,000 pounds because you think, I need this, I need this, I need this. After you've done about 20 miles in two or three days of that, the next time, you've, you're amazed how many things you don't really need to go in that backpack because the thing's just going to weigh me down. That's what God is calling to us. Let me take away the junk that weighs you down. Let me help you with those little foxes that spoil the vine. Let me help you with those little things that make life. Life is hard. Let me help you make it a little bit easier by taking some of that stuff out of there for you. And that's what it's about. Now this morning, again, this is about us being in community with one another. You see, God has called us at 2911 to be in community with one another so that we can effectively reach the community in which we live. We can go fish. We can go out there and reach those because we have one another. So when we struggle, we can come in and, and Chase and I can talk and I can say, hey man, this is something that I, I need to deal with. Hey, I've been struggling with this. And I don't have to worry that Chase is going to get on the phone and call, uh, you know, and call Evan and say, dude, guess what I just heard? I don't have to worry about that kind of thing because we're in community together. And that's what God has called us, and that's what this is about this morning. We're going we're gonna to come to the front in just a few minutes. I'm not going to give one of those altar calls where everyone bow your head. Yes, I see that hand. Come. We're not going to do that sort of thing. We're not going to bring you up here and embarrass you and say, okay, anybody that's committed adultery, stand here. Anybody that's ever stolen, stand here. We're not going to do that sort of thing. We're going to come as a family and community, and we're going to sing a song that talks about the blood of Jesus that sets us free. What can wash away my sins? What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood. And we're going to sing together. And we're going to take an opportunity as the worship team starts. And we're going to say, God, I'm tired of dealing with this on my own. I'm tired of trying to, trying to hide this thing and trying to compare it to somebody else's so mine looks better. I want it gone. I'm tired of worrying that somebody might find out. I'm tired of trying to hide. I need to know, and I want you to take care of it. And then we can start to sing, I'm set free. We can start to sing, love came down and rescued me. We're not worried about that light that shines on us during worship where God's presence begins to come in. And like that, like that sheetrock that was done in the dark, we see imperfections. We come into God's presence and we can be free. And we can stand and we can worship and we can do things because we don't have to worry that somebody's going to come in the back door and say, I know that guy, that's not what it is. We don't have to worry about it because we've been set free. God has removed it. Worship team, if you'd come up. The most awesome thing in the world, the most awesome feeling in the world is being able to stand and being able to know that I've been set free. I'm clean. I'm forgiven.